Welcome to the Book Brilliant Podcast. This is Matt with an episode that I am extremely excited to bring you today. I've got Pastor Luke Pearson from Apologia Church and Apologia Studios. Uh, they're based out of Tempe, Arizona, and I actually discovered them one day randomly on YouTube, and I was super impressed. Uh, they would debate anyone, uh, anytime it seemed like. They would go to militant atheist conventions, they would talk to Mormons, they'd talk to Jehovah Witnesses, um, and I was just really impressed. I'd never seen anything like that before. I didn't know what apologetics were. I didn't know any of that. And so uh, they really added a whole other element uh, to, to my belief. At the time period, I had just kind of become baptized. And so uh, they were very influential for me. And I so, so appreciate them and the content that they put out. Uh, so again, it was huge for me to have Luke on. Um, if you go to bookbrilliant.com and you take a look at the show notes, I will have every book that we reference linked there. So if you want to check it out, uh, please do so. Um, but uh, I hope that you enjoy this episode as much as I enjoyed having him on. All righty, everybody. Thank you for listening. I've got Luke Pearson from Apologia on today, and I'm very excited about it. Luke, thank you for coming on. Yeah, my pleasure, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So my first question is going to be uh, quite divisive. Does anybody actually call Jeff Durbin the ninja? Just Jeff. <laughs> That's kind of exactly what I thought. <laughs> <laughs> no, people do. People do. Yeah. I'm just kidding. He gave him. I always joke uh, that he gave himself that nickname. If you you're an OG, I just found out an OG Apologia follower, so you might remember those shows where we joked about him giving himself that name. But other other people do call him that. I'm kidding. That's 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 funny. I, yeah. I've heard people call you the bear before, but not, haven't heard anybody call him the ninja yet. So yeah, no, I pretty much that's what I go by. So like we were in, <laughs> we were just in Nashville at the Fight Laugh Feast, and I literally probably heard. I don't know, 20, 30 times someone come up and be like, oh, now I know why they call you the bear. <laughs> so, <Wow>. yeah. <laughs> That's awesome, man. Yeah. Well, could you, so I'm not as, as familiar uh, with your background and sure. your testimony and how you ended up at Apologia. So I was wondering if you could kind of share that a bit. Yeah, for sure. I'll give you the short version. Uh, so I, my great grandparents were missionaries in Africa where my grandfather was born. Uh, my, my grandfather and grandmother uh, went back they were they were medical missionaries in the belgian congo my mom was actually born uh, in the belgian congo she truly is african-american she has dual citizenship and uh so there's a long story there but so point being i grew up in the church and uh even recently just dis discovered that i actually have a long uh christian heritage on both sides of the family uh didn't know i had that on my dad's uh, side till recently but so I grew up in a in the Northern Baptist Church in Michigan, where I'm originally from. Um, and I say Northern Baptist is basically the same as Southern Baptist, but with a heap load more legalism attached to it. And uh, so, so I grew up in there. Was always at church. Always loved being at church. Um, I said a prayer when I was four. I vividly remember it. Don't think. I was really saved then. I think, you know, I did the typical ask Jesus into my heart, didn't want to go to hell sort of a thing. Yeah. Um, so I'm not sure I really understood the gospel, but, um, you know, I would say somewhere between four and 19, <laughs> yeah. 15 years stretch there. Uh, reason I picked 19, my, my wife and I, uh, our, so we got married when we were 21, but our mutual best friend who she actually grew up with in the church uh, came to Christ when we were 19 and his uncle who was a hardcore MacArthurite 
uh, began discipling us, and that's when I really fell in love with theology and evangelism and stuff like that. So, um, you know, that's when I when I it might just be my because I was nineteen, I was kind of you know getting out of the out of high school into college and becoming my own person. You know what I mean? And like, um, kind of out from under my parents' wings and stuff. And you know, so that's probably has something to do with it. But that's when I really just you know got excited about being a Christian and not that I wasn't before, but, um, anyway, so, um, so yeah, that's kind of my testimony in a nutshell. I just, it's always been, been life to me being a Christian and, and being in the church and stuff. And, um, so I, like I mentioned, I was originally from Michigan, but I actually grew up, uh, in Northwest Indiana, about 30 miles Southeast of downtown Chicago. Okay. So I always tell people I'm from Chicago. It's basically, uh, basically everything there was Chicago TV and all that stuff. So, um, I, I ended up moving out here. My, like I said, my wife and I got married, we were 21. So we just did 19 years and, um, we moved out here to Arizona, uh, about 15 years ago, almost 15 years ago. And, uh, we, the reason being, um, my wife's whole family came out as a long story, their health stuff. And we yeah. followed, um, so my mom or my wife could be with her mom and help her and stuff and uh and so i actually met um pastor jeff at this other church when we we first there were was the first church it was actually the second church we visited but we ended up becoming members there and serving there and with the youth group and children's church and you know whatever all kinds of stuff and pastor jeff was actually leading the college group at the time and again there's a long long story but i won't i'll spare the details there but uh that's where I met Pastor Jeff, and then we, um, through a series of God-ordained events, ended up planting uh, Apologia Church out from that church. Um, and we actually started Apologia Christian Ministries first, um, to, just doing outreach, and then planted the church in February of 2010. So uh, going on 12 years, and um, so it was my family, his family, and uh, Joy the Girl. If you follow, that's about it. <laughs> and a bunch of extra drug addicts. So, um, so yeah, that's kind of how I got into that. There's, again, there's a whole long story there that I, I'll tell you another time. <laughs> no, so so um, re- did you and Jeff pretty much start together then? I know he had started off doing the you know drug rehab. Um, yeah. So was it you two together then? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. Uh, yep. So. Uh, he was actually, um, he actually just walked in here sneaking his stuff. I don't think he's on camera, but, um, so he, so the, the, uh, uh trying to spare you all the boring details, but, uh, he was, uh, on staff at the, at a drug re- rehab down in downtown Phoenix here. And that was a chaplain there. And, um, long story short, the, the church we were at, the senior pastor and the two other pastors, the senior pastor was asked to resign. The other two pastors left. So it kind of went, you know, from about 500 people to like 50 people very quickly. And was a it was a big mess. But um, basically, Pastor Jeff started uh, teaching on Sundays and he was at the rehab. And um, we we both took over the youth group. And, you know, over over a year long process, it started to grow again, started to be a healthy church again. And um, and then um uh, there was another series of events I won't get into now, but um, we ended up just like I, I really, I, when I said it was God ordained, I mean, and like there was a bunch of like we were literally putting out fleeces 
one after another. I'm like, all right, God, if you want us to do this, then give us this. And, you know, he just kept doing that to the point where we had no, no other option but to plan Apology of Church. And yeah, so, so, so the other church technically laid hands on Jeff, sent him, and then he laid hands on me for service um, with Apology of Church. Um, and I, originally I was uh, the youth pastor and um then eventually now i'm the discipleship pastor so i've kind of grew out of that um as the church grew there was a more need for discipleship so that's uh that's cool man i had kind of wondered about that um did you what building did you guys start in did you start in like a coffee shop or something or did you have an actual building family building at the rehab oh wow yeah (laughs) i mean that was literally the last that was the last fleece was uh you know we're like well we need a building we need somewhere to meet and so jeff went into work one day and was like hey we're you know thinking about doing this and you know could we use the family building and his boss was like sure when do you need it and he was like um sundays tuesdays thursdays sure how how long do you need it and we're like uh you know two three four hours at a time he's like sure not a problem and we're like well how much it's free don't worry about it and so that's where we started. Uh, we were there for about six months, eight months. Um, and then we ended up um, moving to, and renting from a Lutheran church after that. So, Very nice. Yep. Um, you know, it's kind of crazy when you're talking about your great-grandparents being missionaries in Africa. Um, my great-grandparents were actually missionaries in Africa as well. No kidding. Yeah, my, uh, in Liberia. Um, okay. My grand- grandma was born there. Um, I think they were uh, medical doctors as well. Really? My, gr- my great aunt has all of their letters and she combined them into uh, like a legitimate book. I'll take a picture of it and I'll send it to you after this because it's Very cool. cool. Um, yeah. So uh, that's that's fascinating, man. Um, I, I did not know that. So do you happen to know what uh, mission they went with? Um, I don't. I don't. I'll, I'll, I'll send you all that. Uh, I'll message you that uh, after this because... Okay. Um, it's probably around the same time period that your great grandparents. Sure. Were. Yeah. And so, yeah. My, like I said, my grandma was actually born in Africa. So, so yeah. Oh, in Liberia. Uh, yeah. I, well, I oh, believe no. it's Liberia. I need to, man. I need to finish the book. And this is the <laughs> like, I keep telling myself, you know, if I if my great aunt passes away before I finish the book, and then I read the book and I have questions, I'm gonna, you know, be mad about it the rest of my life. So yeah. I need I need to finish it, but uh, as you can see behind me, I've got a lot of books I need to. Uh, <laughs> yep, to through, I'm so. with you. So yeah, well, I wanted to ask, you know, from so for me listening to you guys for just about ten years, you know, um, there's been different questions I, I've always wanted to ask, and so um, one of them, I came from a bit of a more charismatic background. Okay, uh, my dad uh, went to uh, Vineyard churches for a while in Nebraska. He actually uh, met John Wimber uh, in the late 80s. My, I'm sure my dad will be in the YouTube comment section, too. Um, <laughs> my dad had these stories of uh, pretty fascinating stories of healings and demonic possessions and things that mm. I believe, you know, it's my dad. I believe him. Um, and I think a lot of the times when you hear some of those stories, they're, they're not very believable. Sure. Um, Especially so, on TBN. <laughs> yeah. And so I went to, you know, when I really uh, began taking the faith seriously again, um, the church again w- was pretty charismatic and I realized I don't really like the dramatic parts of it. Um, some of the stuff that cultish has talked about, uh, with Bethel, um, mm-hmm. was, was some things that I could relate to on, on certain levels that, 
Um, you know, I could go, I could go on about some of the things that I witnessed that, uh, ended up not being legitimate, you know? Mm. Um, but, um, I do, one thing that I've been struggling with for a long time is trying to figure out, um, you know, what's that balance. And, um, I, I've been chipping away at, uh, charismatic. I've actually got it right next to me, you know, charismatic chaos by, uh, MacArthur and uh, strange fire, uh, as well. I I, I've got it. Haven't, I was going to finish charismatic chaos first, but um, some of the stuff that he says on there are, are great points and everything, but, um, I guess what I've been really wondering for a while is well, where did all the demons go? You know, um, mm. you know, my current pastor, he's kind of like, look, I'm not interested in power encounters. I'm, I'm interested in a truth encounter. Sure. I don't think it has to be this dramatic thing. You know, I think it's better to speak the truth into their life. And I know that, um, I kind of know how reformed Baptists are along these lines. But I also know that when you guys started church planning in Hawaii, um, if I recall, you kind of had some experiences that uh, somewhat have maybe changed your perspectives. Uh, What's, what's your take on all that? Yeah, no, that's a great question. Um, And I actually can answer this very uh, quickly because we do um, membership classes quarterly. And this is usually a question that pops up. So (laughs) I have it, uh, I have it locked and loaded, but uh, we we unofficially are what we call describe ourselves as soft line cessationists. MacArthur would be a hard line cessationist. Um, so you know, so what that means is that it's simply what that means is that we would never say that God couldn't use the sign gifts. Uh-huh. Um, still, if he wanted, now we would say that they you know, overall we're for a time and a purpose, um, to, you know, push the gospel forth into the world. Um, but we would never say that God couldn't still use those gifts. You know, I think the, a lot of the stuff on, like I mentioned, TBN, you see that on TV and stuff like that, like Benny Hen, stuff like that, like it's fake. It's not real. It's not even biblical. There's, you know, there's very clear guidelines in scripture for how those things, especially speaking in tongues, that's the big one. Um, how those should go down, um, which, by the way, speaking tongues was a communicable language, um, not gibberish, not babble. Um, they knew what they were saying. Um, so, um, you know, we would say we're not really seeing that uh, being used appropriately or biblically. But, you know, I have always said this, like, I would hope that, like, if I went to on a missions trip in the jungle and Chile or wherever, there's a tribe there. I would hope that I, if I was giving them the gospel um, in English, that God would give me the gift of tongues so that they could hear the gospel in their own language, yeah. which is what the gift of tongues was. So, um, you know, and, and I don't know if you've seen, uh, I'm trying to remember when it within the last year, anyways, uh, we, we put out a video with John Barros. I don't know if you know who he is. He's one of our heroes in Florida. He's been going to the abortion mill every day for like, 20 years or something and just you know just in the last couple years there was an example of him a baby being rescued uh through his gospel preaching uh the the family came drove by one day um and he didn't even know this had happened this and this happens sometimes there's saves that you don't even know about but this family drove by and you know saw him and started saying stuff to him in spanish long story short uh they they heard him preaching to them in Spanish and he doesn't speak Spanish. <laughs> he was preaching in English. Yeah. Right. And so like, there's a modern example of, you know, g- the gift of tongues. So, um, 
so yeah that's that's where we would stand on that i mean i was i'll be honest i was challenged um on this uh four or five years ago anyways within the last five years we were up in canada um visiting our friend joe boot at his church in toronto before they were completely communist and um you know he was preaching through i think it was first corinthians if i remember correctly and you know he's talking about the sign gifts and stuff and he shared this example of um yeah because i know that's what it was because it was about prophecy you know like words because you know I, I think with in that passage i think the, the gift of tongues can be explained very easily yeah. um the gift of prophecy is a different a different animal and and i know me personally i've had a hard time reconciling that and um I was really challenging and he shared a really great example of a pastor that he knew um you know just a solid reform i don't know if he's reformed but you know a baptist preacher that was not at all charismatic <laughs> right and so like this example he shared was he was preaching in a church um that wasn't his church didn't know anybody there except maybe the pastor you know and like while he's preaching he sees a man sitting on one side of the church and a woman sitting on the other side of the church and like he just it was like the spirit was telling him like those two are having an affair yeah <laughs> and, uh you know so after he was like really grieved in his spirit and he was like i need to tell the pastor you know and he did and sure enough like he was right and it was just a weird thing like that where it's like okay i think that would be an example of god giving someone to give the prophecy um you know but again it, it's such a it's such a hard one because everyone that calls himself a prophet right now you know they're they're false prophets right it's like deuteronomy has some very uh, harsh things to say about false prophets and you know even when someone says to me like well god told me i'm like well you should be careful on how you say that because you don't want to speak as a prophet uh for god and if your prophecy is is false and doesn't come true like he says you should be put to death yeah. so like you know, we should be very careful about throwing that language around, you know, I'm much more comfortable with saying, uh, you know, the Lord laid it upon my heart or even like, you know, like I was being led a certain way or whatever, like, you yeah, know, yeah. but like, we should be very careful to say, well, God told me because you don't want to speak as a prophet and be wrong. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of my answer in a nutshell. Hopefully that is helpful. Oh, no, I know exactly. I know exactly what you mean. And I'm not, you know, I don't really care as much about the, you know, people talk about the gifts or modern day apostles or this and that, you know, what, what the balance that I've been trying to figure out is, um, you know, how, how much should the church be doing healings and, gotcha. you know, how big of a deal is it? With, so I would imagine, and uh, I, I have a second part of this question, but I would imagine that you guys probably pray for somebody if they're sick or absolutely. Or, uh, I would imagine. And then, um, you know, the, the other thing, and, and I don't know, as far as like the gift of healing, um, you know, that's a, that's a whole other thing where people feel like they're ordained that when they pray for people, you know, they automatically become healed or whatever. Um, but the, but the other one is really trying to figure out well, how big of a role should, you know, praying for the demon possessed be for the church, because mm. it seemed like for Jesus, that was a big deal. I think the problem with the thing with demon possession is that people can get into this mindset of going demon hunting yeah. and then they see a demon behind everything. Yep. And yep. so it's, it's trying to figure out you know, what's that balance? And, and I think like what my pastor said, I think it makes sense. Even if he's talking to somebody who he thinks, Hey, 
you know, this guy I think's got, you know, has some spiritual issues um, rather than address it head on and have some big screaming and, and weird match or whatever. Mm. Uh, I'm just going to, uh, you know, it's more of a logical approach, kind of like um, Neil Anderson. Have you ever read any of uh, like uh, victory over the darkness or anything mm. like Anderson? He he's kind of, um, he, he talks about how, He's like a doctor who, while he was in school, he saw, hey, some things are, are issues with the brain and they need counseling or they're a physical problem with the brain. But because he was a Christian, he was like, these other things seem kind of spiritual. And so I, I like the people that I find logical. Yeah. I find yeah. Neil Anderson logical. Um, I, I really like and I find uh, Jack Deere logical. Uh, MacArthur slams him in his book. But I think behind the scenes, I think they've always been kind of friends. Mm. Um, but, uh, you know, Jack's book, uh, he's got surprised by the power of the spirit. I don't know if you're familiar with him at all, but he came from like Dallas Theological Seminary okay. and um, he was totally against any of the gifts, any anything supernatural and he kind of changed his mind. And so I've been listening to kind of both extremes, you, you know, the, the yeah. MacArthur and then I've been listening to the people who are, are not like Benny Hinn, but, you know, yeah. more reasonable about it. Gotcha. Man, those are two really great points there. So I'm going to try to separate them in my mind so I don't confuse the two topics, but the first thing about healing, I mean, I don't know if you're familiar with Jeff's son, August, that they adopted. Um, he'll be two here in December. Like he had clearly had spina bifida in the womb. There, there's ultrasounds where you can see a hole in the spine. I remember that. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, we yeah. prayed like crazy for that kid and he came out totally fine. Like the doctors were bewildered. They didn't they did not understand what had happened. Yeah. Um, and so like, yeah, absolutely. God can perform miracles, but here, here's the thing is like, God performs the miracles. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, and again, going back to what I said earlier, like I would say the gift of healing was probably something given for a certain time because, you know, if you think about it, like no one knew who Jesus was in, in the old or the new Testament, you know, no one knew who Jesus was, but if you came and you healed someone, they might listen to you, you know? So like God used that for sure to like spread the gospel. You know, but then you have guys like like Todd White, you know, who says that he can he's like extended people's legs. <laughs> you know, it's just uh, like it's like I know. And and I don't want to slam him because actually I've Jeff's met him. I've met his daughter. He's a really sweet guy. Like in and, and really? you know, last year I remember if you remember the video last year where he was repenting and stuff, I haven't heard much from him since then. But like I hope that was true and genuine. Like he was rep really repenting of that and stuff. But um he's a really sweet guy, like but like I'm sorry, I, I have a hard time believing that God's using it to like like lengthen people's legs. That's really seems a little shady to me, um, you know. And so like when you start getting into that charismatic stuff, you know, like I have an uh, an aunt on my mom's or my wife's side. Oh, I hope she didn't hear that. My wife's side, not my mom's side, um, who you know has a disease and she's kind of very charismatic and was at you know I, probably 20 years ago was at church and you know they they said they prayed over her and healed her and she said she was healed you know we'll come to find out it was n not the case she didn't get healed of her disease you know so like um <laughs> you know stuff like that you got to be really 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 careful about but you know again absolutely we're constantly praying for god to heal to work miracles but it's him he's doing the work um you know there's there was a man an example of of why that that thought process is really bad um there's been actually we have a video from years ago on apologia studios uh a friend of ours named charlie kingston um who was raised uh flds and um he came to christ well he ended up 
getting a, a brain tumor and then like like aggressive and he died very quickly from it but like we interviewed him um the point i'm getting to is we were one day praying over him we we anointed we anoint people with oil we were praying for him and um i actually have a bottle of jerusalem oil in my bag with me all all the time in case i need to go to, well i used to be able to go to the hospital to pray for people i can't now because of covid but um you know if someone's at church whatever i can whip it out and we'll anoint them in prayer with them but we were praying for him and, and him and his wife were very distraught one day and they had a friend that was like very charismatic kind of word of faithy type stuff and they like she straight up told him that he he wasn't being healed because he didn't have enough faith and it was like man that is just awful and dangerous you know and so like there's there's a balance there but again it's it's not us it's god doing the work it's god performing the miracles yeah um, and so so yeah uh that hopefully that answers that side of the question and then as far as the demon stuff like i'll be honest i don't even like when you talk about like charismania and charismatics like i don't even include demons in that because yeah. like absolutely they're for real um absolutely spirit there's spiritual warfare and i'll be honest the book actually that that changed my mind because i grew up again very conservative baptist like the book that changed my life was by tony evans um out of dallas and um i completely just lost the name of it. this was probably 20 years ago um and uh i can't remember the name of it now but uh he just went through scripture it was just a matter of literally just looking at at this this topic through scripture you know tony evans wasn't a charismatic dude really you know and yeah. uh and um i think it might have been called spiritual warfare was it victory in spiritual warfare maybe that was it yeah and uh huh. um it was a really good book and like literally just it was just an, it was just an exegetical book through scripture really and uh yeah like i mean so we again there's there's extremes on both sides there's the extreme i grew up with where like none of that stuff ever happens and there's the extreme you know some of the stuff you talked about where people are like looking for it and and you know even in counseling people we we try to be very careful because there are definitely times where if i'm meeting with someone you know i'll be like man i think you're going through some spiritual warfare like some some oppression um you know when people start experiencing thoughts and things external to them thoughts they wouldn't normally be having and you mentioned Kawhi. um i didn't actually experience any of that but um pastor jeff did his wife did a number of other people i know experienced stuff like that where there was just you know like the new testament calls satan the accuser and that's one that's one uh telltale sign of that is you start having thoughts like you're worthless you know yeah. you're awful you know stuff like that where you're like whoa like what was that where'd that come from you know that's definitely i would definitely label that as as spiritual demonic oppression um now again as christians we can't be possessed but we can be oppressed and um you know just weird stuff like that um so yeah absolutely it's something that's real but we want to be very careful because what can happen and i've seen this in counseling is then you know people start blaming demons yeah. for their sin yeah. you know and it's like well you still need to own your sin you know but like and a lot of time it, a lot of times it, ha it ends up being like stuff with like depression and stuff just really dark negative thoughts it's like no you're just being sinful and not trusting god um but there's definite times where i'll say you know we want to be careful about this but that seems very demonic to me so 
Um, now that's a great, that's a great question. And that's, that's how I look at it. I mean, we just want to look at it through the lens of scripture. We don't want to, you know, give, give, uh, demons too much credit. Um, but this actually is something I've talked about a lot the last, I don't know, two or three years. Um, I mean, you look at, um, you look at, uh, the new Testament, right? Well, you look at the, the old Testament and then, you know, the, the quiet period between the old Testament and Jesus coming, um, and there's like even in the old testament like you never see you never see anything really about demons there's no demonic anything really right um so there's what you know there's that 400 year period or whatever between like satan and his minions had you know some some reign of the earth right and then all of a sudden jesus shows up and they're freaking out right you see them like they're freaking out and jesus is casting them out of people left and right into swine and into the sea like they knew what was up you know what i mean they're like you know they knew who jesus was and and like this this life that we have here on earth you know like this is if you're a christian like this is a battle for for ground right because yes you know satan was you prior and we're going to get in that i don't want to get too far into eschatology here but like satan was the, the the prince of the earth for a minute and he had reign of stuff you know i would say he's bound now but like um you know so this is this is a battle for ground literally yeah and uh and so um that's why the demons are freaking out they knew who jesus was they knew what his arrival meant for them and so yeah absolutely everything we're engaged in is a spiritual warfare to some degree and um so yeah i think that's a really great question um and i'll i'll shut up there because i'll get going too far in another direction no that's that's awesome you, you're like i don't want to get too far into eschatology and i thought i do uh but <laughs> because uh, you guys uh you guys have been uh i've been listening to a lot of of your stuff on that and um i'll bring that up later but um, I have an example. I'll, I'll, I'll share this. You know, this is an example of what I think spiritual warfare kind of is. I think a lot of the time is it's a, it's a distraction. You know, um, I just preached my first sermon ever um, oh, nice. about a month or two ago. And um, leading up to that week, I called up my pastor and I'm like, dude, I don't know what's going on, but I just feel like oh, sure. really sad mood. And my pastor's like, I know what your problem is. Yep. And I'm like, what? And he's like, you're going to preach. And I was like, dude, I'm not scared of talking in front of the church. And he's like, no, it's spiritual warfare. Yeah, sure. So this, this story is a bit wild. And, and again, I'll explain why, why I'm telling it, because I don't want to tell a demon story just for the sake of telling a demon story. But um, so the night before, um, I'm doing my sermon, and my, my wife was out at another lady uh, for church. Uh, my wife does some of the bookkeeping, things like that. And so uh, they were doing that together and they were out later than expected. So I've got two boys, you know, a, a three-year-old and a, a, almost a year old now, uh, a, another year old boy. Um, I put my three-year-old to bed. He, he never has issues sleeping, things like that. He never, he never gets scared of the dark, whatever. So I'm working on, I'm working on the sermon and he's kind of crying and I go into his room and he says, uh, I don't like that noise. And I was like, Oh, was it a dog? I don't know what the noise was. Go back to sleep. Mm-hmm. You know. So I leave. My wife gets home, and he starts crying again. And he says, "There's a monster in his room." And at this point, I'm kind of like getting the hair raised a little bit because I'm mm-hmm. like, "That's that's weird." Uh, he never says that, you know, before. So my wife and I go in there, and we just start 
Um, I, I just grabbed my Bible and just started reading scripture, just kind of random mm-hmm. you know, stuff about the blood of Jesus. Right. Um, it happens again. Um, but this time he's really freaking out and he's saying there's a black monster in his room. So by this point, I'm like kicking the door open in there. And, um, you know, we pray and my wife stays in there with him and whatever. And I was spooked out, but I was also kind of like, this is pretty obvious. Sure. And so then I go keep working on the sermon and then my, you know, at the time he was 10 month old, then he starts crying. And so then I go up and I'm praying and I get him back to sleep. And so then I start, I go into to my, to my library and I start going through books and I'm like, you know, what's a good spiritual warfare prayer, blah, blah, blah. And I, I just had this thing that was like, this is a distraction. That's all mm-hmm. it is. Mm-hmm. I don't need to have this perfect, weird spiritual warfare prayer to make him go away. They're just trying to distract me from the yep. sermon. And yep. then I was like, that's, that's all it is. It's not the exorcist. It's not the exorcist of Emily Rose. It's not crazy. It's just, they wanted to take me away from the sermon. And so I was like, okay, this is obvious. Went back, worked on the sermon, did it the next day and everything was good. So I think um, sometimes we get, we get wrapped up in the spooky stories, but sure. a lot of times I just think it's like, it's just almost, you'd almost say childish. It's just simple yeah. stuff where you're like, okay, I see right through this. This is dumb. You know? Yeah, absolutely. And pastor Jeff, he's even, he calls that parlor tricks. And I think it's a perfect, yeah. it's a perfect uh, illustration or, or description um and so we we always say that like if you're experiencing that those are parlor tricks that can't harm you they can't do anything to you but you're right it's a distraction they're just going to try to slow you down because they you know they can't do anything else to you and and we i always say this like if if the demons you know satan and his demons know your name then you're doing something right because if you weren't they wouldn't care (laughs) they'd leave you alone and uh no i appreciate that i'll be honest you can if pastor jeff was here he would tell you every time i mean the we're going, like I said, 12 years of this church, 14 years of ministry together. Every time we have something big coming up, we go through something weird. Like we'll get sick, you know, right before someone will get sick or something crazy will happen or, you know, like every single time. And then we, and then every time it happens, then we're like, oh yeah, I should have expected that. <laughs> you oh, know, like yeah. we, we almost become dumb to it. And, um, you know, I actually, I have a similar similar story well kind of to to you uh just even this last summer i was preparing we had the osa national we hosted the osa national event here in in july and um you know it was a big it was a big event and you know there's a lot a lot going on and i was preparing a message called christ or chaos and uh specifically in the in the fights and abortion and and in like i preparing this whole message in my mind and like and then like I started getting hit with stuff like that week before. And then like, literally like, so this is July in Arizona where it's just, you know, a hundred million degrees. My AC goes out one day. <laughs> and, uh, so that was one day. Uh, the next day, uh, my daughter, my oldest daughter who is, was 10 at the time got stung by a scorpion in her foot. Um, and it was just like stuff like that started happening. I'm just like, and then literally I was like laying in bed and I was just like, duh, <laughs> you know, yeah. like I was like, why, why, why am I surprised by this? You know? And so then I'm, I'm literally preaching to myself when I'm getting ready to preach, you know, that, that week. So yeah. I mean, even MacArthur who, who, uh, you know, wrote those books you're talking about, like, uh, strange fire and in charismatic chaos, like he even has stories like of legit demonic stuff with like a little girl throwing a table across the room, stuff like that. So like, 
you know, even he who is very, very anti charismatic stuff will tell you the demons are real. So, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Man, that that's interesting. Um, yeah, I was gonna I was gonna ask you where you guys are at with uh, MacArthur and some of his comments on the founding fathers. I don't maybe we say that for another time. I don't I don't know. Are you familiar with any of that at all? Um, you'd have to remind me. I think I probably have heard. I just drawn a blank off right out right now off the top of my head. Basically said that like it was essentially like that the founding fathers were wrong for using violence and that uh basically god i, I, I saved the quote because I, I was going to ask you about it and see what your thoughts were on it but um well, i thought i had it here but it was something along the lines of of that i mean just saying that the founding fathers uh you know sh- so, so, so some of MacArthur's stuff i like and then there's some some things about him where i'm like i'm not really following you i don't know if sure you know where you guys are at with that um but yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, uh, I can touch that quickly. Um, I mean, I, like I said, I was disciple as a MacArthur and I actually had to repent of some of that, <laughs> <laughs> but, but I love John MacArthur and I'm incredibly grateful for him and his teaching and his ministry has greatly shaped my ministry. And same with pastor Jeff, he'll tell you that he thinks he actually truly turned to Christ, um, through MacArthur. And, uh, so I, I owe a lot to that man. I don't, you know, and it's, it's it's crazy because people are going to hear this and they're they're immediately going to get up in arms. It's usually what happens because if you you know touch the untouchables, people don't like it. I'm not, I am not, uh, I'm not leveling uh, levying any ad hominem attacks upon yeah. John MacArthur. I have issues with this theology, which I'm allowed to have. Yeah. Um, but as a man, I'm very grateful for him. Um, I, I vaguely remember that being said, I mean, I would have a very direct disagreement with that because I would say that the founders um, were fighting a defensive war. Um, they, yeah. It was very important to them that they did not fire the first shot. They waited until they were fired upon and that's Lexington green, the shot heard around the world. Actually just, I have a five month old son um, we named him Jonas after Jonas Clark, who was the uh, pastor of that. Like his, it was his congregation that was fired upon. Um, and yeah, it was definitely a defensive war. Um, they, they were not trying to be violent or use violence to get what they wanted. They were trying to live peaceably yeah. and freely. Um, that's where the don't tread on me comes from. Um, that if you've probably seen the gas and flag, um, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Which actually the, the Southwest pilots were hanging out of their, uh, pilot, they're out of their airplanes this week. Uh, uh, but yeah, that that's the whole purpose of that. Like a rattlesnake, you know, rattlesnake's cool if you leave it alone and you know, the snake's like, Hey, leave me alone. I'm going to live my life. I'm good. If you come near me, I'm going to start rattling. If you mess with me, I'm going to bite you. Um, that's the whole idea behind it. That's what our founding fathers, like that was what they want to do. They came over here to live, uh, in peace to practice religion freely, um, without being under tyrannical law. And, you know, then the, uh, the England came over and started messing with them. And so they had to bite back. Yeah. I, I found the quote too, and we don't have to keep going on about it, but I'll just say this. So he said, uh, it violated Romans 13. Uh, he said, the United States is born out of violation of New Testament principles. Uh, God's blessing bestowed on America have come in spite of the disobedience by the founding fathers. So again, that's, that's what I'd read online. 
Um, I found that on wall builders. If anybody wants to, wants to yeah. get it, it was where that quote was, was from, um, you know, his book, uh, why go, why the government won't save you. I thought had some good points in it, but other things, you know, I, I didn't quite follow. Um, but you know, in, in your guys's last podcast that came out, uh, on, on the eighth, uh, the one where pastor Jeff's talking about the TSA and, and yeah. when he was yelling, they're grabbing my genitals, yeah. which, which made me laugh. Um, you know, I thought you guys did pretty good talking about that, but, um, what, one thing too, before I forget, man, um, do you, are you guys connected with, uh, Costi Hens church? Uh, I, I just read his book. Um, no, no. I mean, we, we know, we know who he is. He knows who we are, but we haven't connected. But I mean, like, do you guys do events or are you guys uh, friends at all or do you connect at all? Um, we've tried, um, uh, but then COVID hit. Okay. Um, and that kind of, uh, I mean, I'll be honest, he took a very different, uh, approach to handling COVID than we did. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, he was definitely of the flavor of stay home, get vaccine, wear the mask, social distance, all that stuff. And we've never you know required any of that stuff we always stayed open so yeah there i i mean i think we'd have a hard time probably because <laughs> yeah. just because of covid right now i think they're and i know i'm not want to say anything of course not against him or anything, but I, we, there was a definite difference in opinion on, on how to handle that for sure oh i see no and that, yeah. that's, that's fine i had i actually first heard about him from some one of you guys mentioning him because of his book god greed and the prosperity gospel yeah which i, which I read while my life while my wife was in labor but um, my wife uh, loves that church she likes to listen to their sermons and oh, so cool. we've actually talked about doing a vacation going to tempe uh spending one sunday um with with you guys and then another sunday at, at costi's church all oh, right on so so yeah maybe, maybe we'll do that um uh, so if, if I can, I don't. If you're going to change subject, because if you were, I was going to add something real quick. You can add something. Okay, cool. So going back to the government thing, um, I that quote from MacArthur, I remember was, that was a while ago, right? Do you remember? Did you see the date on that? I didn't think it was that long ago. Oh, was it not that? I, I mean, his his actions definitely say something different. Um, I was going to say that. Yeah. He, he, so it's were totally different. Yeah. I mean, it's funny because, <laughs> when he, you know, he took it. I was so thankful. I was so thankful of the stand he took last year um, with COVID and all that stuff. Like I was so grateful for that. And, you know, it was just funny. We laughed about it because people were praising him for doing that. And I was grateful for that, but I was like, what we've been saying this and doing this for for months and then now all of a sudden he's the hero but it's you know it's who he is and i'm like i said i'm i'm super thankful because it, it spurred on other churches to do the same um but you know we were already doing that but uh um so i'll i'll, I'll say this quick i mean back to romans 13 um and we've talked a lot about this like you mentioned uh we discussed this on the eighth of the tsa thing i've done like two or three shows well, actually three or four shows in the last month or two um, covering the same subject with Gary DeMar, with Toby Sumter, um, with Davis Yount. Um, and so Romans 13 has come up a lot, um, you know, and, and uh, Todd Friel, um, who's tight with MacArthur, did a show recently on Wretched, you know, and you, I don't know if you saw this podcast or not, but he he literally said, like, I would wear pinwheels on the side of my head if the government told me and i was just like okay that's really silly um but you know when it comes to romans 13 
we have to look at the context of Romans 13. It, you know, it says to obey the government, but like, what is the Romans 13 is very, very clear of describing what the civil government's role is, what their authority is. And there's, you know, God has ordained different spheres of government. Um, there's self-government, family government, church government, and civil government. And civil government has its own specific roles, the authority that they have. And Romans 13 clearly says authority comes from God. He gives the government this authority to do these things. Um, and so all these different spheres should complement and work together with one another, but they should never overlap. And so what we have is if the government tells you to wear pinwheels on the side of your head or the government forces you to get a, a, a cookie, um, you know, like uh, the, gov- the government forces you to wear a gold star, um, that is an overreach of their, of their authority. And that is overreaching into your uh, self-government sphere. And so looking at the, the ordained role of the government in that chapter, it's to protect the innocent and punish the evildoer. There literally says they're God's avenger of wrath to punish the evildoer. The, it, it, the word is diakonos there. It's the deacon. The government is God's deacon. And so they are to do the things that God has ordained governments to do. Yeah. Protect the innocent, punish the evildoer. Uh, anything outside of that, they're overstepping their reach. And, you know, one thing that Todd Friel said, and this is kind of the, I would call this the majority view within the church and our culture is, you know, well, you obey the government. Romans 13 says so, you do what it says. Um, you know, and especially, you know, or they would say that the only time you can disobey the government is if they tell you to do something sinful. Um, then you can disobey them and have a good conscience about it. Um, you know, I grew up thinking that exact same thing. I remember growing up thinking like, oh man, if I speed right now, I'm not obeying the government and I'm in sin. Um, <laughs> you know, like, and, uh, but like, it's like, no, that's not actually, that's not actually the role God's given them. And, you know, so I've, I've asked these questions. I just said it like, well, what if the government tells you to wear a gold star? That's not a sin issue. Um, are you in sin? If you say, I'm not wearing that gold star. Um, this is when I, I mean, we look at the thing in Afghanistan recently. I brought this up. I said, what if, what if the um, government all of a sudden tells you if you're a woman that you have to wear a hijab and if you don't, they're going to cut your head off in public. Is it a sin if you don't wear that hijab, you know? And so like, there's, this isn't necessarily a black and white issue. Um, There's a lot of gray area. And so we have to weigh those gray areas in the balance and really look at things, you know, is, is the government overstepping their reach? from the, the authority God's given them. Um, and when I can give you an, numerous examples, uh, you know, what if the government tells you you have to turn over your firearms? Um, are you going to do it? Because that's not necessarily a sin issue. Um, you know, and then we have Australia and Australia is awful right now. Um, yeah. You know, they don't have firearms, so they're, there's not a lot they can do. We get a lot of messages from people in Australia that are Christians. They're like, what do we do? I can't even go to church. They won't let us leave our houses, stuff like that. And I'm like, can you move? Can you leave Australia? Because that might be the best bet for you right now. Yeah. Um, but then they have to have a pass to leave their house to get to the airport. You know. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, anyways, I'm 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 rabbit trailing now, but like, um, I just wanted to make sure I took a second to address that uh, that whole that whole question, like 
conversation. Yeah. I, and I, and I appreciate it. Um, you know, I'll, I, I know you got to go soon. So I'm going to ask you, you know, any, any books you've, uh, you've read that have been really implement, uh, or, or have been really influential, yeah. um, you know, it, not just, uh, as a pastor, but in your life, uh, in the church, things like sure. that. Um, but I, I will say this man, um, uh, I will take, uh, you know, I would love to have either you on again or anybody from Apologia I would have on here um, at any time. We can talk about books, going down rabbit trails, uh, because eschatology, um, I wanted to ask some questions about um, uh, some of Michael Heiser's books. Um, I know you guys have done some things with him in the past, um, but uh, all, all kinds of stuff that we could fill up time with. So, sure. um, you know, uh, I'd love to have you on again and anybody else from the church. Um, but yeah, I mean, what, what other books, um, what are some books that have uh, really helped you in your life? Yeah. Well, first I'd be honored to be on again. Just, just, you know how to get a hold of me. And I, after we get off, I'll send you um, the email for our assistant. Cool. If you want to try to get uh, Pastor Jeff on sometime, but um, yeah. So my number one favorite theology book is mission of God by Joe boot. I mentioned him. He's up in Canada. Um, Joe's a good friend of ours. And we always say that the mission of God is like apology of church's manifesto. <laughs> um, you you know this very rarely do you like read a theology book and agree with it 100 percent. Yeah. you know that doesn't happen i do with this book it's 700 700 pages i think 750 something like that and it's it's us in a book and uh, so i love that book you know it's theonomic post-millennial reformed presuppositional like it's everything that we are in one book one volume um, so that's always the number one book I recommend. It's, it's a really, really incredible book. Um, so there's that. Um, I can kind of give you some of my favorites and different topics. So when it comes to Reformed theology, um, the um, um, Reformed Doctrine of Predestination by Lorraine Bettner is my favorite. When it comes to Eschatology, He Shall Have Dominion by Kenneth Gentry. Um, uh, Greg Bonson, I can give you a number of books, but always ready by the standard presuppositional apologetics by by Bonson as well. Those are those are some really good ones. Um, when it comes to well, by the standard would be a book for on theonomy. Um, there's also theonomy and Christian ethics he did, which is another good one, which is really hard to find a copy of actually. Huh. Um, but let's see, those are good ones. God and government by Gary DeMar. It's a big fatty, but that's a really great book as well. If you want to look at just God and the spheres of government. Yeah. Um, so I'm trying to think, uh, uh, um, sorry, sovereignty of God by AW pink is one of my favorites. Um, that would, that had a, was very impactful on me as well. So those are some off the top of my head, some of my favorites. No, that, that's cool. I got a whole stack of books next to me because of Apology in one way or another. One of them, uh, <laughs> Postmillennialism and Eschatology of Hope by Keith Matheson. I don't know if okay. you've ever read that. I have not. The Bible Answer Man, Walter Martin, uh, by by Cindy uh, Martin Morgan. Um, yes. I interviewed her. I got a yes. copy of that. Awesome. Uh, a Serrated Edge by Douglas Wilson. Yes, excellent right book. Before I, we came on, I was listening to him uh, read do like a little rebuttal thing of Joe Rogan, making fun of Christianity. I need to listen to that. I saw it pop up, but I haven't had a chance. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And I was actually listening to Joe Rogan like an hour ago, him talking to that guy from CNN, which was crazy fascinating. And uh, you should check it out too. Yeah. Uh, 
the the Roman Catholic controversy by James R. White. I know that guy. And uh, the Forgotten Trinity. I'm afraid of having uh, James White on the show because uh, <laughs> he's a little too smart for me. I feel like, uh, but um, I've thought about it. But I was like, I don't know, man. I'm kind of intimidated by that dude's uh, intelligence. Not to say that I'm not of yours, of course, but uh, well, I'm, I'm not not even the same level as him. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, his stuff is is uh, is is uh, he goes deep. Uh, but, yeah, but he's, he's a brilliant. Great guy. So yeah, man. Um, but yeah, that, that's um the first message I ever sent to Jeff Durbin, I, I messaged him on Facebook once and was like, Hey, do you have some books I, I should read? Cause I'd only seen your stuff on YouTube. And he was like, uh, on my podcast, we talk about books all the time. And then that's actually how, how I started listening, uh, to, to the show. So, um, you know, I promote, promote all, all of your shows and I'll put them in the link, but, um, you know, as far as podcast goes, you've got Apologia radio, you've got cultish, uh, you guys are doing end abortion now, um, you know, what else is out there that, that you want, uh, people to check out and promote if they've, yeah. this is the first time seeing it. I appreciate that a ton. Um, so yeah, apology or radio, you can, uh, so there's four podcasts that we produce here at apology studios. So, um, you can go to apology studios.com is our website. You can look us up on YouTube and Facebook. Um, we produce apology radio, uh, cultish sheologians and provoked. Those are the four podcasts we do um and uh let's see there's apology at church you can do apology at church.com again all of our sermons are in apology studios but we do have a facebook page as well for that uh and abortion now is our um our banner uh ministry to end abortion so you go to endabortionnow.com you can sign up um with us um in your church to go out to the abortion mill and preach the gospel and, and save babies it's free We'll get you kits to get you the stuff you need to get you started. Um, and that's God has totally blessed that we are just about finished with year four, going into year five, and like we have over seven hundred churches now, not just nationally, but in I think seven different countries that are all under that banner. We've been able to help, so um, God's definitely using that. Um, we also just in twenty twenty. Uh, started a 501c4, which is a lobbyist group. Actually, I'm wearing the shirt today. I didn't do that on purpose, but uh, redstatereform.com and then the um, abortion, and any abortion project of that is called uh, Action for Life. You can go to takeactionforlife.org. So we view any abortion, uh, there's a dichotomy there. There's a prophetic side, which is an abortion now, there, and then there's a legislative side which is take action or action for life. Um, and we, uh, so that's that thing. And then we just, uh, as if I didn't have enough to do, uh, we just, we just started another, uh, 501 C three called stand with warriors. Um, you go to stand with warriors.org. Um, and that's a really, really crazy cool thing that God just kind of dropped in our laps within the last two months. Actually, it's October, right? Within the last month. Um, so um, that has to do, that started with us um, being invited to meet with some Navy SEALs who are Christians who are not uh, taking the mandated cookie. And I'm, tr- I'm trying to help you not get booted or get a strike. Um, I know and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so that's been really crazy and consuming a lot of our time in the last month. Uh, we have um people 
from all over federal agencies. It started with just tw- with a handful of Navy SEALs, uh, you know, and has grown to all branches of the military. Um, we have any all kinds of people from all federal agencies contacting us, whether it be CIA, Secret Service, FBI, ATF. Um, we know we got Southwest pilots contacting us. Um, wow. It's been crazy. It's been really cool, but it's been crazy. And um, uh, so we just started that. And so you can actually go there if you're interested. In, um, basically, what it is is we started a nonprofit so that we could raise funds to help the legal costs of our military personnel who were um, saying no to tyranny. So um, that's that's what it's set up for and purely goes towards that. So um yeah i think that's everything i'm probably something i'm forgetting but i think that's everything well who could blame you if you forgot one or two man you guys are doing a lot it always blows my mind um how much you guys do so thank you for your time it's yeah. uh, it's truly an, an honor to have you on here because i i do know how uh, busy all of you are and, and i highly respect your time so i appreciate that uh, yeah so luke thank you for coming on and thank you everybody for listening my pleasure man god bless Well, again, everyone, thank you for listening and huge, huge thank you to Luke and the team at Apologia for setting this up and taking the time out of their busy schedules uh, to do this interview. Um, As you could tell, they are a very busy team. And if you want to check out all of the things that they are involved with, take a look at the show notes. I've got it all linked below. Uh, Follow them on social media. And if you go to the bookbrilliant.com link, uh, you can find every book that we reference. Hopefully there's a couple uh, that you want to check out. Um, but again, Luke, uh, thank you for doing the interview and thank you for being influential um, in my walk as a Christian. Um, you guys have no idea how much you've helped me. And again, everyone, thank you for listening. If it's your first time, please follow Book Brilliant on all social media and uh, check us out. Thank you. Have a good day. Bye.